This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Market Scale Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us today on another episode of the podcast. As you're listening along, make sure that you're going to our website, marketscale.com industries for more information on our podcasts and our different industry verticals. And also make sure that you're subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for a full catalog of previous episodes, as well notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's podcast, we're spending some time highlighting the growing importance of cybersecurity strategies within the managed services space, and more specifically, why cybersecurity's reach has expanded with the integration of IoT devices, and how in many ways cybersecurity uh, isn't meeting the marks that it needs to, to support and protect these fresh networks that are rising at an exponential rate. For Insights today, we're joined by Diversified and two of the company's most experienced IoT thought leaders to also give us some context on how to maximize IoT technology while keeping your networks protected. So I'd like to introduce our two guests today, Avi Shaw, an IT security engineer with Diversified, and Adam Bowser, Director of Information Technologies for the Digital Media Group at Diversified. Avi, Adam, great to have you both on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm, I'm great as well, Daniel. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be chatting today, and I'm really looking forward to breaking this down. It's a nuanced topic. It's one that is very timely. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Uh, I want to start by having you both uh, give us a quick rundown of Diversified's place in the broader IoT landscape. So since your focus is mostly AV and digital media technologies, where in those systems are you seeing a lot of IoT integrations? Uh, and then just at a general level, how does that intersect with diversity? work, just so our audience gets a better understanding of the perspectives that y'all are bringing today. Sure, absolutely. Um, and so Diversified is a company that primarily focuses on the distribution and deployment of digital media in a lot of different arenas and from a solutions provider perspective. Uh, we'll be able to work with uh, different clients and opportunities to help design out, deploy, and manage their technology, their unified communication, their digital signage, their broadcast, their IPTV, any ways that we are utilizing and wielding digital media in order to uh, provide an experience uh, for a corporation. That's where we come in as an integrator and a solutions provider. And where we've seen there be a, just a huge explosion of utilizing IoT type devices within that space is that we've really seen a convergence of, and that's a, that's a, a fairly popular term right now is an IT and AV convergence, a convergence within audiovisual space. Um, and a lot more of those devices and those systems are utilizing connected services, whether they're utilizing cloud management, whether they're wielding the internet for um, connectivity, reporting, logging, or, you know, especially when you're talking unified communications about utilizing connected services for communication. Um, and that those communication devices, those systems are beginning to not just be at the end user, you know, standpoint, right? At their workstation. They're, um, they're being used to generate data within the organization's physical uh, arena, their hallway, their monitors, their door, their access systems, their sensors, temperature sensors, uh, air conditioning, uh, just all these different devices are now being connected and utilized. And that's where we come in to help uh, with companies be successful with those implementations, using those sensors, using those devices, uh, and then helping secure them. 
All right, perfect. Thanks for that context. So let's go ahead and dig in deeper into the actual topic for today. I think it's important to emphasize just how fairly new cybersecurity is for IoT, especially at an enterprise standard. Uh, And I think it's important that we break down the challenges to get a better sense for how end users can approach a cybersecurity solution, which we'll get into later. So uh, though most major operations have a robust cybersecurity strategy already uh, for some of their more legacy networks. Can you explain how some of that cybersecurity can get off kilter as more IoT devices are added and integrated? Go ahead and just break down how that dynamic is manifesting today. Yeah, absolutely. So just like I was mentioning, as uh, additional components that traditionally have been non-connected devices, so from a cybersecurity standpoint, we haven't had to worry about the air conditioner. From a cybersecurity standpoint, we haven't necessarily had to worry about the telephone, which may have been connected through te- you know telephony, but was a fairly dumb device. Um, we haven't had to worry about um, you know digital you know signage within um, the the uh, the location of the physical location uh, because that signage may have been static. You know, may have been just posters and and different other ways that companies have been used uh, using to to portray and deploy information to their um, end users. Those all those devices were never really connected, but now you know with the um, you know set of additional technology to be able to deploy live information to the field or receive live information back. That's really critical to corporations right now because that's allowing them to react much quicker to things that are happening in the market. Digital signage is a great example. Um, digital signage from a retail perspective or from a um, enterprise uh, perspective as well, corporate com allows uh, different uh, corporations and companies to see things that are happening in the market and be able to react, create content, even create dynamic content that's um, deploying you know, live data information to a endpoint. Um, digital signage, such as weather, right? Weather is an important inf- piece of information that people that may target and change people's buying practices. So if you know that a snowstorm is coming, you can put that right next to the, um, the winter gear aisle and you know the weather is going to generate sales and so you may want to target people in those sort of fashion so those connected devices are really changing the way that um we're needing to think about cybersecurity to to your point um they're um now vulnerable right they previously they weren't really vulnerable and they're places where you could enable bad actors and malicious uh activity to create intrusion on your network if they're not properly secured um, and so that is somewhere where we're really seeing, um, even though there's a, you know, there's been a, a, a large push in terms of cybersecurity over, over the years, you know, from a very conventional standpoint. And even the most mature companies now are also starting to have to realize that these smaller devices and these, uh, much more simpler zombie IoT devices that are now connected present, uh, some of the, the largest challenges in terms of making sure they're secured and, uh, and, and, and allowing them to, to still function properly at the same time. You know, Avi, what, what, you know, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Uh, exactly what you were saying. Before the concept of putting a device, having it have an IP address, I would say within the past seven years is the first time we've started seeing these, these types of devices. Originally, they started off as like serial to ethernet devices that allowed you to communicate older devices to now connecting them over the internet but now they've involved full-blown mini computing as i'm not familiar with those who are the raspberry pi these types of small tiny devices can now do things that we we wouldn't thought of just a handful of years ago and once those devices connect to the local network and then can be connected from the cloud down they create limitless possibilities in terms of what it can do but also what it shouldn't do you know and daniel we've you know we'll we'll probably talk about some here but now you're you're so now as you're aware of these and, and these are um devices that you know really let's you know, be clear that 
we're bringing as a, as corporations, as different companies, very tech enabled companies, they're uh, being leveraged in order to create efficiency, in order to create additional functionality that is benefiting corporations and businesses, right? So they're, they're bringing on these, you know, additional, um, devices, these systems, um, that are helping their corporation. They're saving money. They're, um, they're driving new business. They're, um, they're connecting their employees, right? So these are really positive. They create value for businesses. They're really productive. So how do we maintain um, these devices, support the devices, but then also still keep them secure, right? Got to make, got to make the, the, the IT and InfoSec um, teams happy at all the corporations. So how do we, how do we do that? And, and that's, that's an important conversation to begin uh, to have um, with, with, you know, this, this popularity that, uh, of, of different IoT devices and, and technology. So even with those challenges, these devices and integrations are treated as necessary for the future of work, future of the workplace, workplace 2.0, right? So can you all give us some context as to why? You know, why are IoT devices so needed or necessary or valued, even if they uh, create these cybersecurity issues and potentially, you know, open up businesses to uh, more risk. You know, so answering a question directly and then and then and kind of flushing it out in terms yeah, of sure. the risk factor, they, you know, it's kind of like I was I was stating, these devices are creating additional capability for companies and they're allowing them to, you know, whether or not they're creating uh, more um, connected in work environments, so you'll see a lot of tech companies. Now, especially on the West Coast, have um, very a lot of automation built into and, and a lot of robotics built into their um, users' uh, physical location. So they're able to order food with um, these connected devices. They're able to communicate with one another. They may have um, roving robotics for enjoyment. They may have you know different games that are being played, and a lot of these are are connected. They have signage uh, around the the area or. Um, ways that they're automating the uh, unified communication and conferencing experience. All those different systems utilize um, different connected devices and componentry. So it really builds and augments business in important ways and creates um, value uh, for the company. Um, but the risk, you mentioned risk, right? That's the important uh, part of the conversation. I think we're a good entry point for, you know, shifting and, and beginning to discuss not just identifying that these issues are out there, but how do we begin to address them? Um, and one of the, the most important factors is to identify risk within your environment, risk uh, for your business. Um, risk can be a conversation that includes um, a lot of leadership, can include accounting and finances. It really um, is something where you identify how um, your business can be impacted by an attack um, or how much downtime potentially uh, would affect your business, how publicly available and, uh, and I guess how much notoriety your business may have if you do have an attack, you know, whether that would really affect your business going forward and, and be something that um, is in the public sphere uh, very often. So a lot of different things to consider when you talk about risk. And those, that's an important conversation that, um, that you have to have as a business that um, that we diversified has when we when we begin to engage businesses for our services, uh, we'll talk about the risk uh, for their business, and that will help us and facilitate us to really create a risk assessment and then ascertain the right amount of security to um, to to inject and to propose uh, for these different solutions. Um, so that that's an important part of the conversation. And to add to what Adam was saying, the industry itself is going towards this model for, let's just stick to the topic of signage, the displays that were in the market prior to IoT and these smart devices were very static. Someone had to manually go with the USB and change out the content physically. Now these devices, as Adam was mentioning, are all connected digitally. If you wanted to either reinvent the wheel and create your own device to serve that purpose, it's not time efficient. It's not cost effective. It's just not practical. And that's just the way the industry is going now is creating these devices that are already met to meet one specific task. And they're much more cost effective in long term in order to uh, 
buy them, deploy them, configure them, than it would be to kind of reinvent the wheel and do it yourself. I want to chat a little bit about why we're seeing these issues in the first place. You know, this isn't really like a pointing fingers game, uh, but to some degree, uh, there is a level of, you know, uh, connecting the dots between how these IoT devices first hit the market and for what purpose, and then why that is creating situations that, uh, you know, uh, reveal some deficiencies in cybersecurity networks. So as the hype for IoT devices has grown, there's been such a rush to get a piece of the market, especially in the residential side, that uh, you know manufacturers have pushed to get this out. Now, that's not necessarily saying that they've delivered deficient products, but as they push them out, the cybersecurity aspect of what they're putting to market seems to not really be either a priority or just part of what's being factored in, at least for these devices that are are transitioning from residential to enterprise, right? So how did you see this, this push, this rush to get some IoT devices to market impact manufacturers' approach to designing their products and their cybersecurity measures? Do you see any intersections there that are worth noting? Daniel, that's a great question. And, and really, that's where, that's where it starts. We have seen, like you said, this explosion of um, IoT devices, for connected devices. And the, the market you know, drives um, business and drives productization. And so that has certainly, I'm sure, driven man- these manufacturers to, um, to be able to provide what's being demanded. You know, these are, is the product that I have. And there's a demand that this product can be centrally managed. I may have this product at every one of my buildings. It's reading the temperature. It's reading, um, uh, you know, it's reading uh, different levels within the utilities. Um, it is uh, maybe it's connected power within my data center. It's from, our, you know, in, in our business, we're talking AV. Maybe these are room sensors for unified communication conference rooms. We want to have those devices centrally managed. And we want to be able to gather that data. I want to be able to use that data to help um, better predict the usage maybe in those conference rooms um, to be able to, to create some, some efficiencies down the road, right? That's powerful information. So the demand is there for it from the enterprise. Um, so the manufacturers are, are working quickly to be able to meet those demands. Um, and I think in that same frame, I, I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to point the finger. I don't want to pass blame. Uh, but I think that the, Priority is delivering on that product and delivering on the demand and, uh, and then beginning to roll in cybersecurity based upon requests as it come in and, and, and things like that. Um, and so what you're seeing, I think, in the market right now is that there's a, a large differentiation between all the devices. Some have, you know, very much more mature and, and, and complicated, uh, security measures, cybersecurity measures. They are, um, working off of encrypted um, you know, communications, they're using secure channels, they're requiring password authentication, um, they're, you know, they have logs, they've, you know, some of the, the basic, very basic things, and others don't, they, you know, they may not have password access, so they're working off of unsecured, um, you know, communication channels and things like that. And so really, it's, it's really important as a integrator, as a client, uh, you know, as that's, that's purchasing this this, uh, these components or as integrator like diversified is what, you know, is what we do, um, is to evaluate the, um, security, uh, posture of the devices and be able to then configure and create compliance around them, um, and be able to use different, um, tools or strategies. And I'll, I'll kick it to you. Obviously, you can maybe talk about some of those strategies, um, to help secure the devices, um, that may not have that complete security set but may still be an important part of your business moving forward um, because of the amount of the ability and functionality that they create for you. Um, Avi, I mean, what are, what are some, you know, different ways that, you know, you you can look to secure these, these types of devices, um, you know, that, that may not have the built in security settings on them. Well, I would say, as you mentioned before, first things first, you know, you would research the device itself. Are you on the latest firmware? Is the manufacturer even supporting this device anymore? A lot of it is unknown. Then you kind of have to treat it as a 
an unknown. So at that point, you would have to implement network segregation, firewall rules, different ways of saying, okay, this device only needs to transfer data between this host and another host. It never needs to talk to any other host. You would then work with your networking team to create specific rules that mitigate any type of I would say in the event that device wants to talk to someone else because of a unknown feature, a call home, whatever possibility, you'd want to make sure that you restrict it to only its business functions. You would also want to make sure this is like standard stuff. You change the default passwords. You want to make sure that it does have a certificate to make sure that in the event it's not just openly sending passwords back and forth. There are a few different network ways of isolating these devices if the manufacturer has not gone ahead and given you the technical specifications of saying, okay, this device talks between here and here via these ports, but also it talks to the cloud service where you can manage this device over here and here. And these are the protocols that it uses. So you can actually build a framework around it. So you have to basically do your homework, uh, not to get too specific, you have to run network analyzers to confirm that, okay, this is what it does and pretty much just build build walls around the device unless you are confident fully that the manufacturer has run the device through the trials, giving it to a security team, an independent research team that says, okay, yeah, we've run this set of devices to make sure and we've not certified say, but we've said, okay, these devices is compliant. Unfortunately, a lot of these audio video devices are not at that stage yet, but we're hoping that eventually as IoT explodes, we're going to get to that point where there will be a kind of a certification very similar to other devices that have already been on the market for 10, 15 years. And I think that's also where, you know, Daniel, we diversified has put a lot of work into building vendor relationships. Um, you know, we, speaking of the manufacturers that, Manufacturers are, are, are constantly growing and um, looking to improve their devices. And um, by being, you know, a, one of the largest integrators, uh, you know, AV integrators in the, in the world, um, and, and by building smart relationships and partnered relationships with our vendors, with our manufacturers, we're able to uh, work with them and uh, identify some, if we do identify issues, be able to work to be able to improve those. And so certainly encourage any companies that are out there as well. If you are an enterprise company, if you're a company that has a device that you've um, done vulnerability scanning on, and you maybe have identified some flaws, reach out to those companies and uh, identify those issues with them and, um, and work with them to, to resolve them. Um, certainly, you know, that that's important. And, and we've seen very frequently that's, uh, successful in terms of um, resolving any kind of vulnerabilities or adding additional security functionality to uh, devices that are um, that are manufactured already and, and those coming through a firmware upgrade. So that's that's a that's an important thing that that can be done and and companies shouldn't shy away from having those conversations with the manufacturers, large or small, as a company. It doesn't matter. You can be the biggest company in the world, or you can be a small mom and pop shop, you should absolutely feel encouraged and empowered to have that conversation with the manufacturers of their products that you're purchasing. Now, since many manufacturers uh, didn't design their IoT devices for enterprise applications, obviously that has put a lot of the responsibility for developing IoT security on the end user and on their IT departments, uh, potentially even outsourcing a third party to help them develop this uh, fresh network of security. So what are some approaches that you've seen attempted to solve all of these rising IoT challenges? And what have you seen work and what have you seen not work and why? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and so it really, it starts with uh, building, um, you know, we, st- we talked about starting with managing risk and understanding the risk. But then it starts with building your compliance policy. And that compliance and or security policy in your organization will help govern what settings and requirements you'll have for all of your devices. Um, and, and then, you know, help you govern and understand what those requirements are for some of these uh, IoT or connected devices that we're discussing. Um, being able to then 
leverage that policy and documentation that creates a standard for you so that you're not picking and choosing. Uh, you're not um, working different people, maybe working on different aspects of the system. There may be an expert on one device, a different expert on another to make sure that their implementation is standardized. Um, so it really starts with creating that kind of compliance. Uh, and then, you know, with that compliance comes, you know, a couple different things, you know, certainly, you know, requirement of authentication, right? You know, they require, require authentication, user authentication, um, and access control to the, to the device. Um, make sure that communication can happen over secure channels, you know, SSH, HTTPS, and has a certificate like, uh, Avi mentioned, uh, and isn't using Telnet or, or some of the non-secure um, protocols. And, you know, another huge aspect is leveraging um, uh, monitoring as well. That's something that we, you know, we've kind of built out um, and, 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 and really uh, spent a lot of energy on developing and innovating monitoring of these types of IoT devices. Because if you're able to monitor the device using either a centralized uh, management platform or through maybe a SIM um, that you may have, a SIM SIM, um, to identify different events that are happening and create alerts based upon those events or identify anomalies. Um, that can help prevent or identify intrusion or activity that's malicious and be able to help prevent that and respond accordingly. And so those are really, really critical tools and strategies that you would you should use to help control and secure some of those um, devices. Absolutely. It also creates some forensics there as well. Avi, any you know thoughts? Any you know what else would you say? No, relatively similar to what you. A lot of things you just mentioned, as well as you have to do your research on these devices to just verify, like uh, like we've done before, the monitoring on them to ensure uptime, and then also to see how much traffic is going through them. Standard stuff as in making sure the default passwords are changed. Check, obviously, create a patch schedule, a patch schedule, I'm sorry, within the systems to say, okay, every quarter we're going to you know, check all the firmware patches or different, just, uh, different ways of managing these devices the best way you can after you've already implemented them from the security aspect. Uh, I know that's something we do uh, quite often, just revisit it. It's not a one and done type of deal because these devices, as manufacturers, will push out a firmware update or make a software patch available. They may add functionality that you have not noticed before. For example, some devices may all of a sudden have a web portal instead of manually having to do it through an SSH connection. So you kind of have to stay vigilant to these devices because especially the more, I don't want to say expensive in terms of price, but more feature-rich devices, they keep getting uh, improved upon. And I mean, it, it, you know, there's some you know additional physical security as well that, that comes into play. I, I mean, I kind of want want to hear that, you know, a story, you know, Avi, that, that you had read about. And then, you know, maybe I'll talk about the physical security aspect of things that comes into play too. You know, and Daniel, I don't know if I'm stealing, you know, the, the question here, but I, I, you know, wanted Avi, you know, do you want to talk about the, the fish tank story? And then, you know, that'll be a good lead in to, to talk about physical things as well. Yes, please. Yes, please bring up the fish tank story. I think that's a perfect example of uh, of this uh, in practice. Yes, there was an incident about two years ago in which an IoT based uh, fish tank thermometer, something as simple as allowing the, I guess, fish tank MSP who would run the making sure that the aquarium was you know properly heated and all that through a cloud per, uh, cloud portal an attacker was able to gain access to the uh, to the network of a casino as the whomever the engineer was who added that connected it to their casino internal Wi-Fi and kind of one and done and an attacker was able to enter the lobby of the casino notice that device was there connect to it. And then from there, use that device to do a surface scan to see what else was in the network, what other devices were available there, and use it to stage an attack to get information. This was regarding, uh, I think, high rollers, those who gamble a, a significant amount. They were able to get information from that. So something as innocent as something like that, if it's not secured properly, it can lead to a lot of uh, issues. That was one, I think, example from about two years ago, which... Uh, was that Bluetooth that it used, that the, the attacker used to get correct. to Correct. The attacker, from what this is from the knowledge base, what they believe it, what theory was, is while the Wi-Fi feature 
was connected to a, the Bluetooth was using an older version mm. in which they were able to compromise it, get access to it, and then from there access the local network. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, and that I think also brings up you know, a point of security that's particularly you know necessary for these IoT devices. Traditional data center, compute devices, servers and things, right? They live in your data center. They're locked away. They're in a cabinet always. But, you know, you're, you're oftentimes your IoT devices, whether it's a sensor, whether it's digital signage, maybe it's a, you know, another media player, a video wall, it's a kiosk in a mall, right? The, all these different um, connected devices are out in public. They're out in, in areas that aren't as easy to secure as your data center. And so it's really important that you're also creating um, kind of locational security. You're turning off Bluetooth, you know, as as that's not necessary for most of these solutions. You're um, maybe you're disabling the Wi-Fi as well, so it's not you know uh, pinging or reaching out for Wi-Fi if it's not using Wi-Fi. Um, you're hiding SSIDs. You're uh, adding additional security, and then you're adding physical key lock security on you know on your kiosk. There's a, a key lock that. You know, the only the manager manager of the building has, and that you're um, you're locking that those different devices in. You're not exposing ports, and you're locking USB uh, ports and things like that. So that it's really locked down. You know, thinking that you know, imagine if that device is just surrounded by hack, you know, hackers and malicious actors. How can you possibly just really prevent people from getting to it? And even if they do, are able to acquire that device and and bring it home. How can you make sure that it's properly secured, even in that, to that level where they are unable to access the OS and the, the hard drive maybe is encrypted? And, um, you know, and, and that there's really, you know, preventative measures that, you know, consider those devices really um, behind enemy lines. Um, and so you're, you're, you're enabling physical, physical security as much as possible as well. So it's really important within the IoT space. I want to pull from both of y'all's uh, experience in the space now for this next question. So just so our audience understands who we're chatting with here, Avi, you have four years as a dedicated security engineer across various on-prem and cloud infrastructures, as well as 10 years as an IT professional across various organizations. And Adam, on your end, 15 years of digital media infrastructure design and deployment experience, as well as 10 years of enterprise digital media and IoT strategic innovation and security compliance experience. So pulling from all of that combined time in the industry, dealing with various infrastructures, networks, and technologies, what challenges do you see arise in protecting IoT networks in AV and digital media technologies specifically? How is uh, the situation in diversified's um, you know, core markets either the same or different or uh, you know, just manifesting in unique ways? You know, with with in my experience, we've one thing that is really important is having standardization and standard processes, um, and you know and that that's so critical because you know the the it's it's always you know the laws of uh, that that we consider out there that the you know whatever can happen will is going to happen right. So that one device that you know that missed the configuration step. That's going to be the one that that gets um, the, that the intrusion happens on. So having standardization and um, is really critical in terms of having a standard process that rolls out um, everything with a level of compliance, and then being able to as much as possible leverage cloud managed solutions so that you can apply compliance policy. Um, so that that is one of the biggest challenges I think oftentimes because while there are some devices that um, uh, you know, that really use, wield, and are, you know, forward thinking about having, um, a, you know, a cloud connected solution, a managed solution that creates, uh, that allows an, an enforcement of compliance policy. There are a lot of devices that aren't. And so, how do you enforce those same standards um, there? And that, that, you know, I think that that provides a lot of challenges. And some of the ways to address it, you know, are creating standard you know, packages, you know, doing standard scans. Some automation, so it's not just dependent on people, but using automation. Uh, I see a lot of the engineers, you know, engineer and, and IIT, right? We talk about that convergence. A lot of the engineers that uh, I work with, some of these, you know, senior guys, they have a lot of IT skills. So that's critical. You cannot think about managing, deploying, designing 
AV equipment, unified communication equipment without having highly skilled um, IT personnel within the engineering core team. So they're utilizing those skill sets to create automation scripts um, in order to create those standards uh, in deployment and making sure that the devices that are rolled out into field have that level of compliance. Um, so those are some of the challenges that I think we see and, and some of the ways that they, they can be solved. Uh, yeah, to add to that, over the years, we've definitely been seeing the, I would say, migration from trading audio video as manual cables. Now, I don't want to speak too much for the industry, but everything is going Ethernet. And uh, once you get that involved, it's I don't technically even see it as a audio video equipment anymore. Right. I see it as data transmission, meaning data going through a network at that point. It doesn't matter if it's video, audio, web traffic. At that point, it's considered a it's data in transmission. So the same kind of rules that you can put in place for a laptop, you would treat a you know an audio video hub. This is going to be receiving data. It's going to be sending data. It's going to be storing data. This not to, not to generalize it, but the same security practices that you would put in to secure something, you would put in place on a audio video audio video IoT device. Mm-hmm. So not yeah, I think that's about a good summary of the shift over the uh, of the years. All right, I feel like that's been a good breakdown of some of the challenges we're seeing as IoT integrations expand uh, and honing in a little bit more specifically on those challenges manifesting in the digital media and AV spaces. So now I want to pivot a little bit and chat on some potential solutions. What do you both see as some of the most effective ways to strategically secure IoT and digital media systems, especially in the context of end users trying to navigate these ecosystems themselves and IT departments working to secure these devices when often they don't have that legacy experience dealing with um, technologies that are still relatively fresh to market. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, the important part of that is that you're really needing to, it's important to leverage the expertise. Um, it, you know, that was something that Avi, you mentioned earlier on and, and, and absolutely fits right in here in that IT personnel at, um, at corporations and different businesses um, and in every industry, obviously, there's a wealth of knowledge and experience and expertise there. But, you know, having to also you know, be aware of how these devices operate, you know, sometimes not an expertise that, that IT personnel have in-house right away. And so you are uh, best situated to, um, to bring in and leverage an expert, you know, someone who's an integrator, you know, someone who has experience with these types of devices and how to um, implement them in order to make sure that you're still successful, that you're getting the value out of the systems that you're implementing and that you're maintaining your levels of governance and security. Um, that's, that's an important um, part of deployment, right? It's not just buying it off the shelf and, you know, sticking it in that you're, you're really leveraging expertise. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, even though there, there maybe there's cost savings, if you're saying I'm going to buy it off shelf and do things myself, um, there's risk. You're actually increasing your own risk. And, um, and that, you know, that's that's that may not be a risk that you want to take or that your company and corporation wants to take. So, you know, leveraging expertise um, and coming in to help um, identify and secure the products uh, and make sure that they're working properly for you is is certainly, certainly critical. When you look into the research, treating the IoT devices for a conference room or a audio-video solution, you could technically, yes, you know, as Adam said, buy it, connect it to your network, and it'll work. But it's not ideal in the sense where you're just opening yourself up to so much risk. And most right. IT departments we know are going to say, how can I phrase this correctly? If you want your internal team to completely learn something new, because well, they're you know they're busy uh, securing their laptops and servers and their switches and their routers and their firewalls, adding a whole other complexity for IoT devices. It's a lot for someone to. I'm not trying to play. It's very difficult to kind of shift 
while keeping the ship going because I've worked in IT for quite some time. And normally in certain infrastructure, in certain setups where they'll say, hey, can you guys do this? And while IT professionals will say, yes, technically we can, but to ask them to completely shift a different direction to set up something securely, monitor it, sometimes I would say, not even sometimes, most of the time, it's always best to reach out to experts in the, in the field and say, okay, this is what we're trying to do. We need it done securely. You guys do it day in and day out. How can you guys help us? Another aspect of this that I find I guess, interesting or framing of the current context is that a lot of commercial spaces uh, or enterprise spaces are becoming more and more public as well. You're not just dealing with your set number of employees that come in every day, but friends, family, people from the community. I point to uh, you know Silicon Valley tech company campuses, for example, that are very open to the public. So how does this also shape potential IoT security? security challenges, as well as solutions to meet said challenges when enterprise spaces are also public spaces. It really points us back to some of the discussion that we were having earlier about physical security and and certainly compliance. Um, It's important, you know, from an IT and cybersecurity perspective, you look at, you know, any personnel that have access to your devices to your network and things like that with different tiers of trust and exposure. Uh, if you have internal personnel, perhaps they've gone through different um, background checks and they've um, gone through certain risk training and, and, and things like that. Whereas, um, you know, personnel such as consultants and vendors who may need different access to your network have a different level of trust and permission sets and on and on uh, up until the public. And that, you know, those those types of tiers mimic different data classification strategies and, you know, and inform our permission sets and access. And in the same way, they should inform our cybersecurity measures. And some of our the tightest security should be around those devices that have access from the public, whether they're uh, a lobby device, potentially that may be accessible in the public. It's doing access control, it's doing visitor registration, it's doing, um, you know, nowadays, right, we have a lot of temperature scanning, right? It's a temperature scanning device. And so you need to have, you know, such as vital sign, a temperature scanning device that is secure and creates and improves the security of your organization and your location. Um, so having those tiers and, and, and you know, compliance that Having those tiers and a compliance that meets that level of tier is critical uh, in terms of providing security that addresses those those that type of challenge. To add to what Adam was saying, it all has to do with, I would say, you need to phys- hit, from a technical standpoint, because I am an engineer, when you do secure these devices, you need not only secure them as in from a network standpoint, you need to secure these devices. So in the event, for example, a monitoring system or an ad display was, for example, physically stolen, there is no risk of being able to access the data from inside, being able to reverse engineer and get back into the network. That's where the monitoring comes into place where we will automatically notice a device go offline for a significant amount of time, reach out to a field engineer have an understanding of, okay, it's no longer there. And then we would reach out to cameras. It's basically an entire process of making sure that these devices are physically, logically secure, especially when they're used in like a public environment. Pulling from y'all's experience working with different IT teams, where do you see them struggle the most in implementing these solutions and making them a part of a broader network security strategy? And why do you see them struggle in any set areas you break down? Sure. And I, actually, I think that really goes to what Avi was mentioning, that a lot of organizations will struggle with implementing um, security around these devices because they don't know the devices. Right? They don't have the expertise or knowledge around them. And with a fair amount of these devices, the documentation is not um, as comprehensive, let's say, as you may see with a more traditional IT device, right? If you go and purchase a name brand switch, and that name brand switch um, is going to come with 
instructions. It's going to come with white papers and documentation and manuals. It's going to come with community support and bulletins and, you know, just a ton of wealth of information on how to support that device. And oftentimes, some of the devices that we're discussing, a sensor, a power broker, a, um, a system control, you know, uh, endpoint, um, any one of these different devices may not have as much documentation and certainly does not have a community of experts out there to help. And so that that's a challenge. Um, and that, that's often a challenge that organizations will run into and, and why we talk about um, leveraging expertise um, where you can. Um, rather than, you know, trying to, to look for that information that may not be there and, uh, and, and leaving yourself vulnerable potentially for, for an attack because there are services that you're unaware of, um, that have not been secured. Uh, to add to what Adam was saying, I've personally seen it in which certain organizations, you know, I'm not pointing fingers mentally, will sometimes go out and buy these devices without consulting the IT team. And they'll just say, hey, we bought 10 of these. We need them deployed around all the conference rooms. And IT will normally say, okay, I wish you kind of consulted with us first. And then normally when you need to buy, oh, we need them right away. So there's always a, like a mad dash to try to implement these devices securely. But normally it, getting it to work is top priority. And then normally security is an afterthought. And at the fast pace rate that a lot of these companies are going, some of their IT teams, they have to make a tough decision. Do they spend a lot of time on securing the device that they're not already familiar with at all by doing the research, finding out how to make sure it works, but only works in this particular manner, who has access to it. Oh, it's not Active Directory integrated. So no, all these other different things that come along with these devices or going to someone who says, okay, we're already familiar with it. This is what we need to do. And let's you know, bang through it. All right, y'all. Almost done with the conversation today. Thank you again to Avi and Adam for all your insights so far. Uh, one last question for you. So I think it's also important to sort of look back to look ahead. And what we've seen over the last five-ish years, maybe a little more, is IoT devices uh, being integrated en masse. Every year, there's a new set of devices that change what you can integrate, how deep the integration goes, how smart the integration can get. And that was just in the span of, you know, several years. Now, if we keep that pace up, solving today's cybersecurity challenges for IoT devices might not be the same in another five, ten years, right? Things might get even more robust, potentially riskier or opposite. Who knows, right? So how can IoT cybersecurity strategies, in both of your opinions, be done in a forward-thinking way that leaves room for response to new technologies? How do you factor that into today's solutions? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's as we begin to develop platforms that enable IoT, that's really critical. Um, there's, you know, there's a couple of them out there that, you know, cloud providers are, are building out and um, some of the hardware components are um, becoming somewhat standardized. But just from a high level, you know, there's a continued growth, right, that has been going on trying to add more compute power and more intelligence to the, to these endpoints, right? To the edge. Uh, and then, you know, just continuing to add more intelligence, more intelligence. And, and I think that we'll get to a point and then we'll, we'll roll that back a little bit because in, in very similar fashion to, you know, we've been talking about, right? These rules have these parallels access that you talk about least access. In very similar fashion, we talk about these different parallels within cybersecurity. And one of the most fundamental rules to cybersecurity is least privileged access. And that rule of least privilege could apply here as well and be extrapolated to say there may be opportunities for us to, instead of adding more compute to the edge, uh, have a reduction of compute to the edge. Only allow the intelligence that is required for the device to function. Um, this doesn't have to be, you know, if this is a uh, sensor, a temperature sensor, if this is a um, signage device, if this is a um, maybe a unified communication tool, it's a phone, it's whatever it may be, that device really only needs the intelligence to allow it to function. 
and to augment any of the monitoring and management that you want to do, but no more. And so I think one of the things that we'll begin to see in the future is, you know, the same way that we've created these rules to say, okay, we gave everybody access before that doesn't work. Now we're creating least access as a, as a tool, as a, as a, as a, um, strategy. We're doing micro segmentation as a strategy. Javi, you were talking about that. Uh, really, we should, we'll begin to seeing uh, a limitation and reduction of compute and intelligence, I think, at the edge as well to make sure that it matches up well with the requirements of the device. And so I think that's something that we could think about and we'd look to for the future. Uh, yeah, speaking of the future, I'm personally hoping that IoT devices get to the state, get to the point where we can consider them appliances. And appliances normally, like within the IT world, a device that can only do certain things. You can't, without much more effort get into the core operating system and getting into, for example, for you know a light switch. If in the event in the event a light switch does get an IoT based light switch does get compromised, it should only be able to turn off and turn on the light. Period. It should not be able to. I should not be able to get into the back end of the system. Now, I know that's easier said than done because you, at that point, have to strip out the underlying operating system, create a a management software that can kind of do this. It's a little very early at this age where you can kind of create a, a device by just, how can I say it, like a, a firmware that can only do certain things. I'm hoping that eventually you'll get to the devices where now that the hardware is there in terms of the giving it a network IP, giving it a Wi-Fi connection, but the back end starts to get stripped out. So that way you cannot take advantage of a device and then install additional tools upon it. I'm just hoping that the industry goes that way. Um, We'll see which way it does go. All right. Avi, Adam, thank you both so much for your insights today. It's really, really been a pleasure so far. Again, we've been chatting with Avi Shah, IT security engineer, and Adam Bowser, director of information technologies for digital media groups, all at Diversified. Avi, Adam, uh, if folks want to find out more about some of the work that you're doing in this space, how can they do so? How can they get in touch? Sure. I mean, you know, certainly we're available uh, through Diversified. So if you uh, were to um, uh, reach out to Diversified, we can certainly begin some of those conversations. Um, Diversified's website is Diversified, D-E-V-E-R-S as in Sam, I, F as in Frank, I, E, D, us.com that's diversifiedus.com or reach out on linkedin you know i'm i'm always happy to collaborate and um inform new relationships network and see how we can better this this thing we call information technology and yes yeah, um same thing on there once you do um you also if you want to speak pure technical cuz that's my uh forte <laughs> please yeah, message me on linkedin or get a hold of me through diversified and um we can talk specifics Fantastic. Avi Shah, Adam Bowser, thanks again. Looking forward to chatting again soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Market Scale Technology Podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're going to our website, marketscale.com slash industries, or subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. 